0: Hey guys, I'm Jade Iovine, and welcome to the very first episode of Tell Me About It. God, am I excited, relieved, and just crazy overjoyed to be here with you. I've been carrying this podcast around for about a year and a half now, so this feels like the biggest relief in the world that it's finally out in the universe, and most importantly, that you guys are actually here. So you might be wondering as you're listening why this podcast exists. It's simple, really. Every single time I've been through anything, whether it's dealing with a heartbreak, struggling with depression and anxiety, navigating reproductive issues, feeling lost in my 20s, among many other embarrassing, shame-provoking, or heartbreaking bumps in the road, the only thing, well, along with therapy, that has ever given me the courage to get out from under the covers amidst any struggle, big or small, is the comforting sound of another woman saying... I've been there. Sometimes I think that's all we need to hear. Like I always say, there's nothing on this planet more validating than hearing someone out there has stood exactly where you're at and lived to tell the tale. You'll probably hear me quote Brene Brown more than once on this podcast, so I figured I'd start early. She says shame needs three things to survive, judgment, secrecy, and silence. And I promise you there will be none of that on this show. Believe me when I tell you this show is here for one reason and one reason alone. Whenever something would happen in my life that was, well, far less than perfect, let's call it, I'd go online and scour the internet for hours trying to find another woman's story I could relate to, dying to just feel a little less alone. Whenever I did find that story that was like mine, it was always 10 times more powerful if it came from a woman I admired or respected, because it meant that despite what we'd gone through, there was life, and maybe even success, on the other side. Okay, I know this sounds all serious and heavy, and yes, there will be those moments, but this antidote of truth isn't exclusive to deep heartache. There have been more times than I can count that another woman has shared something about sex that made me feel less weird about comparing themselves to another woman on Instagram that made me feel less pathetic, about a stretch mark or an embarrassing moment that helped quiet my self-loathing for even just a moment. To be honest, I just got so damn sick of hearing success stories that left out the hardship that I at least have found unavoidable. If you tell my parents I quoted them, I'll deny it completely, and I really used to hate it so much. But they always used to tell me when I'd compare my life to someone else's, Jade, everyone has something. So I'm here to find that something with my guests each week. That thing that stood in their way or made it hard to get to where they are. The things that without having struggled your way through, you wouldn't be you without. You know, those things that you call your best friend about and exclaim, why doesn't anyone talk about this? Or, I thought it was just me. I don't know about you, but nearly... Everything of value I've ever learned in my life thus far has come from learning it the hard way. So I think it's about time we let each other in on that side of the story and made each other feel a little more brave, maybe a little less abnormal, and hopefully a little less alone in the process. I think we owe it to each other, and I'm so excited to get started with you guys. Okay, now let's get to the fun stuff. Today you're going to hear a heart-to-heart I had with Bozema St. John. Bozema St. John is currently the global chief marketing officer at Netflix. Boz got her start in marketing at Spike Lee's advertising agency. She then went on to manage brands like Pepsi, became the head of global consumer marketing at Apple Music, then went on to executive roles at Uber and later Endeavor. Bose has been recognized for her breakthrough work by both the industry and her peers. She's received awards and accolades from Billboard, Ebony, the American Advertising Federation, and was listed among Forbes World's Most Influential CMOs. If that weren't enough, she also teaches a class called Anatomy of a Badass at Harvard. In 2020, Bose launched a podcast alongside journalist Katie Couric, Back to Biz with Katie and Bose, which explores the societal shifts that have been ushered in by the coronavirus pandemic. Bose's philanthropy includes her work with Pencils of Promise, she's a global ambassador to Ghana, and serves on the boards of Girls Who Code and Vital Voices. But most importantly, Bose's mother to 12-year-old Lael, who is always right by her side. Bose and I have known each other for several years, and when you meet Bose with her larger-than-life personality and are blinded by all the sequins and diamonds and pearls dripping from her six-foot frame, you know immediately she's special. But just how special, I don't think I fully realized until we recorded this episode. Bose is a champion for women everywhere. She has broken barrier after barrier and shattered many a glass ceiling. But in our conversation, she says things that sounded so familiar, things that I've thought and felt myself. So much so that I had to keep reminding myself that I was talking to the CMO of Netflix and not my older sister. Bose joined me via Zoom from her home office just a few days after the horrifying January 6th insurrection on the Capitol. We talked about things like self-worth, motherhood, finding peace, forgiving your past self, and grief. I'm so grateful to Bose for sharing her experience losing her husband Peter because I think grief and loss is a subject we don't talk about enough, quite frankly, but every one of us will experience it at some point. Bose has experienced not just one, but two profound losses in her life. She lost a daughter prematurely and her husband, Peter, to lymphoma, and we talked about how those experiences changed her. But Bose doesn't shy away from those painful experiences. Instead, she uses her wounds to propel her forward and is living proof that despite whatever we've been through, we can do hard things. So now, let me introduce you to Bose. Hi, Bose. Hey, Jay. How are you? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. I'm so happy (laughs) to see your face. I know. Well, that is true. We haven't seen each other in forever. (laughs) Forever. It's been too long. I know. So how's quarantine going? How's Lael? Oh,
1: Lael's great. She's awesome. She's in sixth grade. She's just trying to make it through.
0: I know. Sixth grade is so tough.
1: But who knew we'd be in this whole situation,
0: you know, in sixth grade? Are you doing Zoom school? Is she doing Zoom?
1: Yeah. Online, the whole thing. Um, Does she hate it? You know what? She's actually such a well-natured person that she's all right. Like she, she seems
0: that way. Yeah,
1: very balanced. Like she, she's very zen about things. Cause um, she's kind of just like, okay, is this what we're
0: supposed to do? Okay, then. She's go with the flow. That's incredible. That will serve her well in life. It sure will. Amen. <laughs> So as we're recording this, I have to start by saying that this has been an incredibly hard week. Yes, There was a horrifying attack on the Capitol on Wednesday, and it's been really hard to function, quite frankly, after watching that. Um, So I just want to say I really appreciate you sitting down with me amidst all of this madness and unrest. I know. And I'm really curious, how are you finding peace right now? Gosh, you know what? There is so much going on in my mind.
1: Um, of course, you know the constant unrest that we're finding ourselves in. You know, regardless of if it's uh, health because of COVID nineteen and the challenges. Or if it's because we have to innovate in all kinds of ways, you know, whether it's that, you know, you're innovating the way you work or you're innovating the way you play uh, or you're innovating the way you date, girl, all the stuff. Seriously, um, gotta
0: get creative.
1: Or, uh, gotta get creative. Or, as we all know, civil and social and racial unrest. Oh, it's enough to make you just want to like hide under the blankets, and not come out
0: completely, completely. How do you explain it to Lael? How do you explain what's going on?
1: I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. I learned this lesson actually quite a long time ago, uh, which is that you really can't lie to the kids. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, there's totally. um, they are so much more aware and astute than we give them credit for, you know. And so um, she and I don't mince words. I don't baby talk her. You know, I say the things that they as they are
0: because
1: right. she can manage them. I don't know who told us that kids aren't able to do that.
0: I know it's absolutely true. You know, as,
1: as if like, like who, who said that? It was like, right. somebody, first of all, somebody lied about that. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. You know, it's like maybe that's why we have so many like displaced humans running around, you know, because they were lied to. And then at some point they woke up, they were like, why did somebody lie to me? Like, why didn't you just tell me the truth of what's going on? You know, how much therapy is needed because of that?
0: Yeah. And that gives them you more know? anxiety, not knowing the truth. You know, I feel like totally. if you actually give them the full story, all the information that obviously you can omit some parts, but yeah. give them the full story. Like she can handle it. I think that's really cool that you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: like, let them know what's going on. That's why they don't, cause they can feel it. They know something's wrong.
0: Like Yes, kids are so intuitive and no one gives them any credit for it. So why not just say the truth? Totally. Well, there's no great segue from that, but I thought I knew you. I've known you for years. I thought I knew you, but I've done extensive research on you and you have lived. You have lived. Oh my God, have you lived? So I like to start by talking about your 20s because I feel like it's just such a formative and very messy decade of your life when you're trying to figure out who you are, what you want out of life, and are constantly wrestling with your self-worth. At least I am. Uh, Your 20s are so hard because there's so much comparison and expectation associated with this decade. And I think people think it's when you're supposed to have it all figured out, but it's really just a series of fuck-ups, rejections, and mistakes, and having to learn things the hard way. Um, and we're so hard on ourselves because we feel so much pressure, and we're convinced that everyone else is doing it right except for us. So I'm curious, Boz, what were your 20s like? Who was Bozema St. John at 25?
1: At 25, I was engaged mm. to Peter.
0: To Peter. And for our listeners, Peter was your husband of 10 years.
1: Yeah, I was engaged. Um, And let's see, there were a couple, there were a few things happening. I was engaged and I was working for Spike Lee uh, Mm -hmm. at his advertising agency. So I had, I had been promoted and I was feeling really cool. You know, like I I finally had like some real responsibility. (laughs) Yes. For the work, you know, (laughs) so I was I was in charge of a few things and I felt like I was finally, you know, getting like my career going, feeling like a boss. Right. Although I was the boss of nothing, but still feeling like a boss Uh, and I was engaged and I was trying to figure out essentially like how we were going to manage our biculturalness you know, Mm. because um, we were planning a wedding and I wanted to honor my Ghanaian heritage. And uh, Peter's is uh, Italian Catholic from Massachusetts.
0: Oh, I'm familiar. You know, I come from a long line of Italian Catholics. Girl, yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) So I so we were trying (laughs) to figure that out, you know, and how we're going to do the church wedding and the whole thing.
0: I want to ask you about that because I feel like it's increasingly more common to marry someone from a different culture. So I think a lot of people are going through exactly what you're describing. It's really hard to give up a piece of you or you know what I mean? Like it's it's even hard sometimes with my boyfriend, he's Jewish and I'm whatever I am. I don't even know. I'm spiritual, not religious. (laughs) But it's still like it's hard to not want to make it all your stuff. Yeah. So did you guys struggle with that? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we struggled with so much of that because of our the differences, you know, of mm-hmm. our backgrounds, right? Totally. Like I said, exactly. he he grew up Italian Catholic in Massachusetts, in Worcester, and then his family moved to Palm Beach, Florida. Um, mm-hmm. and he basically like grew up in the same house like for his entire life, went to the Correct. same school. Same friends, had his family very close to him, like immediate family, right? Whereas I was, you know, like even though born in the U.S., I considered myself an immigrant because my parents are from Ghana in West Africa. And we moved back pretty much when I was like a baby. And I lived in four countries by the time I was 12. We settled in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And um, I just had a different worldview than he did. To say the least. Obviously, he's white. I was black. You know, like, there's just so
0: many things. So there was, like, culture clashes. So
1: many, you know? He was older than than me by seven years, which is enough to make it feel a little bit like a generational difference, too.
0: You know? Especially at that time when you're 25. Yeah, Yeah. when you're 25
1: and you're like... You know, you got all the yeah, cool, who's this young, old man exa- all yeah. of that. You know, that's what my friends
0: said. They were like, "Girl, why you yeah. the old man?" I
1: was like, "Cause he's mature and amazing."
0: Yes. You know? <laughs> so, how did you finally work that out? Where'd you Where'd you guys land with your wedding? We had two. Oh, you did. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. the answer. That's the answer. That is the answer. Sometimes this is a
1: real trick here, Jade. Sometimes there is no compromise. You just right. have to do both things. Wow. Like I wish more people would have figured that out. That like, you know, you argue so
0: much. like Baptized and bar mitzvah. Yes.
1: Like, why, yeah. why argue about like, I get some of this and you get some of that. You both end up with nothing you want.
0: So why not? I have the
1: chills even from hearing yeah, that. Yeah. So why not, why not give it 100% two times? That way you have 200%. 200%. You know, so yeah, so we did the full Ghanaian thing. Like we had the, you know, we had our outfits together and we did the traditional things where it's like, you know, his family flew to Colorado. They had to come get me from my dad's house. You know, the, wow. we did the whole, the music right. and the food and all the traditions. Wow. And then, yeah, we had, and then we waited a year because we wanted to have the same anniversary date. Right. That That was the compromise. And we waited a year That's and genius. then had... Our Catholic wedding.
0: <laughs> I'm so inspired by that. I'm like, I'm gonna do that. That's yeah, that you're gonna save so many relationships just by that advice. Yes, that's right. That's, that's incredible. Right. Don't
1: compromise. So, do both don't
0: compromise. Do both. That's do it. Both. That's amazing. <laughs> so you knew at twenty-five you didn't want to compromise, but did you like ever struggle with knowing who you are? I feel like you came out of the mm. womb knowing exactly who you are. You know, <laughs> did you ever feel like, oh, God, I don't have my shit together. I don't know who I am. Mm. What am I worth? Did you feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Jay, sometimes I feel like that today. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, that's wow. like, let's just be right. real and honest. You know, I, um, I think the difference, though, is that I am very committed to wherever I am in the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's, that's where I don't waver. It's like, I may not right. know everything and I may not know what's coming tomorrow. I I still don't have a five year plan. You know, I may not know what's happening, but in the moment I am committed to whatever I'm doing. So mm. when I was 15 and I didn't quite fit in, I was just committed to who I was, you know, because like. There was there was no way. Can you elaborate a little more on that? Well, I mean, I had the benefit, and this is gonna sound kind of strange and counterintuitive. I had the benefit of being so othered that there was no mm-hmm. way to pretend that I was
0: part of the crowd. Yeah, because you just moved from Africa. Yeah.
1: So I didn't I didn't struggle with like, oh, I wish my hair was straighter, or I wish my hair was blonder, right. or I wish right. I looked like my best friend summer. There was no way; it was not possible. Right. Summer was super white, g- green eyes, blonde hair. We were both tall. That's about the only thing we had in common. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right. But like, but wow, you like being so othered. That's so true. Like that would make sense that it would just yeah kind of obliterate those yeah comparisons. There was no. There was no. Compa- I couldn't
1: compare myself, and even to right. the point that, um, you know, obviously I I struggled because the the regular stuff that you go through it. it In adolescence, like, you know, the -hmm. boys didn't like me in high school. Right. Because it was just like there were no black guys there. And the white guys were like, no, we want the white girls. So there was that wasn't happening. So I didn't I didn't have to have any of those challenges. What I felt was a lack. Right. Of not being wanted which was its own struggle, Mm. but I didn't compare myself to anybody because there was literally no comparison. Like I I couldn't even, it was just too far of a gulf that I couldn't pretend like, oh, if only I had a little bit more of this thing. It was just so different. Right.
0: So it doesn't mean that you didn't feel insecure. It just meant that it kind of felt different. You felt not as wanted instead of feeling like comparing yourself to other people. Exactly,
1: exactly. My feeling was that I was missing something that was not possible to have. Okay, That was what I felt. I wasn't missing something that was right there and that I just couldn't reach it, which is a very right. different feeling. I think, you know, it Absolutely. causes a different kind of insecurity if it's right there and you can't have it. Mine was missing altogether. And so there was, right. there was no, there was nothing for me to dream up. It just wasn't there.
0: So how did you reconcile that? How did you work through that through your twenties? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but here's, okay, so here's some more, ooh, girl, here's some more truth. Um, I
0: love your truth. And
1: I've said this before, and I got such a crazy response. I'm going to try it again and see what happens here. Um, <laughs> oh, God, okay. <laughs> but, like, I do remember at, like, 15, probably earlier, 14, 15, 16, all those years, uh, before, you know, before I, I got the love <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. and like being in my bathroom, you know, and look at myself in the mirror and being like, I am so damn dope. Like I just felt like I looked at myself and I was like, girl, look at yourself like you're so pretty. You're so dope. And I was like, I don't, I love I don't that. understand why other people don't see that. I was so confused, right? Like, I was just like... You were 14 or 15 at the time? Oh, I I remember it, like, yesterday. Like, I would just look at myself and I'd just be like, but you're so cute, though. And you're so funny, though. And you're so smart, though. Like, why doesn't anybody like you? I remember feeling that. I remember feeling that and being so confused by it. And I think even sometimes now, and it probably is why I am impatient, today. It has turned into impatience in situations in which I don't feel appreciated because I literally would be like, these folks are nuts. Right. Like, I cannot believe they don't see my dopeness. You know they what? Don't I, see, actually, I'm out yeah. of here. You know what I mean? That's what happens to me now. Whereas then I just looked at myself and I was just like, mm, there's something wrong with them because they don't see it.
0: So how old were you when you learned you had to leave situations and people that didn't recognize that?
1: Yeah, that was that was definitely in my 20s. Definitely. twenties, yeah. er, Early. Yeah. Early. Yeah. So,
0: so what's the biggest difference between who you are today and who you were at twenty five? What would you say is the biggest difference in who you are? Mm,
1: That's such a hard question. I know. Gosh, that's such a it's such a great question, because I don't know how much of like the you know, the internal spine and internal makeup has changed. I don't know if so mm. much of that has changed. I think all most of it is pretty much the same. Um, right. Obviously, age and experiences have made me more resilient totally. you know, and more resolved. Um, I think that there were theories I had at 25 that I know to be truths now. Mm-hmm. You know, the things that like, um, I feel like life has proven to me the things that I thought in theory then. And that's an incredible gift.
0: Yeah. Did you listen to your intuition when you were 25? Yeah. Yeah. Like You did. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I think that was also born out of something that I used to hate about myself when I was younger, which is that I am really impatient and very spontaneous. Yeah. You know? And so the combination, like I used to hate it back in the day because I I really respected my friends who were patient, you know, who could Mm -hmm. like save for the big thing, or who could like say, you know what, I'm gonna wait for two years and then I'm gonna have the promotion and I'm gonna do Mm X, Y, and Z. And I was always sitting back like, bitch, I don't know. I cannot wait for that. You know, and I'd be so spontaneous. And I would just get up and I'd blow up and then I'd be like, I'm out of here. Or I would say, you know what, I'm buying that dress now, even though I couldn't afford it. You know, like I've I've had that thing. And so it makes me feel like Perhaps those types of things are still true. Mm-hmm. They just changed a little bit. I've matured a little bit in it, but at the yeah. core, it's still there.
0: I just want to touch on what you said because I think so many people, including myself, you know, we wait to show ourselves to the world when we are fully healed mm-hmm. or perfect or whole, you know. Yeah. And so we just say, "Okay, I'm not gonna, you know, own myself until you know I get that job until I, you know." get that boyfriend or whatever it is. Yep. And people just wait yeah. forever. Yeah. And then it just, turns. there will always be something oh, else. There will always wait be. For. And that's why, that's why,
1: you know, well, listen, we just might as well just jump right to it because, Let's you know, I, I believe in living life urgently, right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is what mm-hmm. I live by. And so, no, I don't wait. I don't wait for the thing for five years from now. I already said, I don't have a five-year plan, you know, because I think they're a waste of time literally a waste of time. Right. Because you have no idea. Yeah. And then you're over here, like just, you know, plotting and planning on what you don't even know what it's going to be. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what opportunities are going to come. How, how dare you challenge your divine fate by writing down what you believe is your destiny? How dare you? Like, oh my God, that makes me want to cuss my pearls. I'm like, sit down, back up. (laughs) Let destiny do what it's supposed to do. You're just supposed to walk in faith. Right. You know, how dare you have the arrogance and audacity to write down what fate has for you. Stop it.
0: Right. Wow. So you, so do you not do like New Year's resolutions? No. You don't do no. all that bullshit? No, I don't. You're like, absolutely not. No, I don't do anything. So I feel like I've watched every interview you've ever done just <laughs> in my research. And I think everyone asks you about confidence because oh. you're the kind of person where if you're even 50 feet away from you you can feel the confidence and it lifts everyone around you it's the kind of confidence that's so rare that makes everyone else around you feel so confident and so it's no surprise to me that everyone asks you including on Instagram <laughs> everyone's <laughs> constantly like how do i get that and even when you're talking about you at 14 and 15 saying like saying that stuff to yourself in the mirror that's a feeling that we all want to bottle and mm, sell. Mm, mm-hmm. Do you think that confidence comes naturally or just more easily mm. than it does for other people? Um, I think my confidence is born out of, like,
1: curiosity, really. Mm. You know, which might seem a little of an off answer. It's, it's, not, it's not that, like, I just think I'm better than everyone else. That's, that's not it, really. It
0: is that... It doesn't come off that way.
1: No, because I just think I'm special. <laughs>
0: I love that. But I think
1: everyone is special. That's what it is. It's like, It's not that I think I'm more special than anyone. It's not that. Mm. I just know that I'm special. And so are you. And I'm so curious about your specialness that it often confuses me when people don't appreciate their own. You know, that I feel like my confidence is born of that. I know I am the only person who has what I have. And that's why Mm -hmm. I can walk in spaces and be in rooms and feel so incredible because I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who has what I have. And then it's like, I'm with you. And I'm like, oh, you're so dope too. Like, I want to know everything about you. And so I think that kind of attitude attracts people because I am endlessly curious about what is special about them. You know, and so I'm constantly trying to find that because everyone is so interesting. You know, the other day or a few months ago, rather, I saw this amazing meme or it was like a post somewhere. I wish I could remember where I saw it. Um, But it was basically like the math of you, right? Of how you got Mm -hmm. here. So essentially Mm -hmm. it was like the ancestry of of ourselves, right? It was Mm -hmm. like, think about the two people it took for you to be born, right? And then... Like, just do start doing the math backward, the exponential math backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Four, 16, you know, back and back and back. Essentially, like, just a few generations, and it takes like 4,000 people for you to be here. Mm -hmm. 4,000 people it took. Like, how incredible is that? Right. 4,000 people for you to exist. Like I just how could you not so, think you're special? How could you not think you're special? How could you not think wow. you're so amazing? You know, and so that is the wow. kind of thing that I am constantly walking around with. I'm always thinking about the fact that there is such a specialness to me because those mm-hmm. 4,000 people existed. And I am now here because you. of them. And so right. why wouldn't I walk around like I've got freaking diamonds everywhere? Like, of course I have. Like it's incredible. Are you
0: kidding me? When you say it, it makes so much sense. You know, like I, I I'm, I need you every morning to remind <laughs> me of this because it, it makes sense. It does. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And I think, but that's why I think people love you so much because you can feel that you think that other people are special. Yes. You know, and I think that makes people gravitate towards you. So you talk about pure acceptance, and mm. I love that idea so much. Pure acceptance of you now acceptance of yourself in the future. Can you explain that concept a little bit?
1: Yeah. Oh, I think it also is born out of the idea of that specialness, Mm -hmm. right? The mistakes I've made in my life, you know, uh, again, my confidence isn't born out of the fact that I think I'm perfect. I am far from that, you know, but even the mistakes I've made, I have forgiven myself for, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've totally accepted them.
0: How do you do that?
1: Because most of the time I recognize the fact that I didn't make the mistakes on purpose. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, if you'd known
1: better, you would have done better. Yes, I would have done better, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes I can recognize why I made the mistake, you know, sometimes it's arrogance, (laughs) sometimes it's selfishness, you know, sometimes it was just ignorance or lack of understanding. Um, Absolutely. And I recognize that I didn't do it on purpose. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I'm able to forgive myself for that. Or if I did something wrong to somebody, I do try. I try to let go of my ego and ask for forgiveness. They don't always give it, but at least I've done my part, right? Which is that I asked for it.
0: Right, but at least keep your side of the road clean. That's correct. You know, and
1: so that part then means that I accept the things that I have done and that sometimes have been failures. Mm -hmm. And then the things that I can't control you know, that are just a part of my nature or that have happened to me, you know, mm-hmm. or any of the things that feel like flaws and faults, I I had to accept those. You know, mm-hmm. it's like those without without accepting all of it, I just can't be a full person. And none of us can. Right. You know, it's like, unless you unless you absolutely, truly, I mean, and listen, I won't know whether or not you accept your full self. Like, I, I won't know that only you know that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is the work that's going to take in order for you to accept your full self? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, this whole exercise of standing in the mirror, I'm not saying that like I stand in the mirror now and, you know, at almost 44, I don't look in the mirror and say, girl, what is that wrinkle doing there? You know, I still do that, of course. Right. But I recognize the fact that I do do that and I forgive myself for doing that. And I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Do you have like negative self-talk or how do you rein that in? How do you control that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I certainly do. Um, I I mean, yeah, because I'm human and I I do do that, you know, and I do it about a bunch of stuff.
0: But you don't let it stop you? No,
1: because I recognize what it is also. I think there's also that Mm -hmm. self-awareness that you have to have, that you recognize when it is negative self-talk and you can hear it. Mm -hmm. But that also just takes a lot of practice um, and, and actually listening out for it. You know, it's not an easy habit to create, but you should create it, which is that like it's a
0: muscle. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So every time you hear it, I'm not saying you have to stop it because it's very difficult to stop. And I don't know how to do that. If you find if somebody you talk to somebody and they tell you how to stop it. Let <laughs> me let know. You know. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how to stop it. All I know is that yeah. I can recognize it. And then that way I mm. can begin to like walk my way backwards, especially when it's like doubt.
0: Sometimes that's half the battle. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Just yeah. being able to identify that this isn't my intuition, the difference between your intuition and negative self-talk. Yes. You know, just knowing the difference. Yes. So this is a simple question, but do you care what people think? Oof.
1: Um, yes, I do. I care what yeah. people think. I do.
0: What do you think about that? Uh, about caring what people think? Where do you stand on that?
1: Sometimes... Well, obviously, I depend, it depends on who it is, right?
0: Right, yes.
1: But I do also care about what strangers think. I do. Because I, I think of myself in a particular way, and if they don't right. think of me in that same way, I'm offended. <laughs> right, And I'm hurt. Right. You know, and, and sometimes I can overreact to that.
0: Yeah. So, what, like, what do you do when you, you know, maybe see something online that's offensive or someone Ooh. that you work with misunderstands you? How do you Girl. drown out the noise, you know? Mm. How do you tune that out?
1: <laughs> this is a hard question because it also depends on the situation. You know, sometimes I right. am vocal about it and immediate because, like I said before, I'm spontaneous and impatient. Yes. And sometimes I just, woo, you know, go yep. off. And so yep. that can ha- that can happen online. You know, because I mm-hmm. I have a sharp tongue and so and and, and sharp Twitter fingers. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I can come <laughs> yes. out that way. You know. <laughs> Um, But at work, at work, it's even worse, right? Because then I am stuck in the situation with somebody I know doesn't respect what I think or who has judged me in a way that I believe is unfair. Completely. And I am somewhat of a people pleaser also. And so I I do tend to then want to correct them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And depending on the situation, I can go way above and beyond. And then when I recognize that they just don't care or it's not going to change the way they feel about me, then I can go way the other direction. Right. And then start
0: like not wasting your time on people that are committed to misunderstanding you. Correct.
1: Correct. Right. Because sometimes you just got to let them go. And that's, that's much easier said than done.
0: their loss, you know, also oh, but it is easier said than as, done. as
1: we said already, I'm dope. So definitely. Their yeah, loss.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what like today, what gets to you? What knocks your confidence and how do you stay resilient? Like, do you compare yourself to other people on Instagram or what gets to Not you? Not
1: really. I don't really compare myself because I do think that my journey is so unique. And I think other mm-hmm. people's are unique too. You know, it goes back to like the same reasons why I can celebrate somebody you know, because mm-hmm. i I just think that they're they're amazing, and I'm amazing, so why can't we all be amazing? Um, so I don't spend a lot of time comparing usually what happens with me, especially when it comes to confidence, is that if there is something I want and I can't have it because somebody else said I can't
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I don't know why that is, or they made a judgment about me, and that's why I can't have that thing, that knocks my confidence, yeah you know so and that could be work. Or it could be a relationship or it could be anything that that is what usually hurts my confidence is if it's right. like something that I want that that somebody else is like, nah, you can't have that thing. Then then I'm like, oh, why am I not good enough?
0: Right. You start to question your, yeah. yourself. I'm like, is it me? Mm-hmm.
1: Like, Can I convince you that I can have it? Right. You know, and then you try to do your thing.
0: And then who do you turn to? Oh
1: Gosh, you know, I have I have my people's. You know, it's like, because you got to have that, right? You got to have your squad. So I do have mm-hmm. my people that I go to, and I'm just like, wait, hold on. Let me tell you this situation. Is it me or is it them? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, right. usually, like, if you have a good squad, they'll be like, nah, girl, it's not you. It's them exactly. for sure. <laughs> exactly. you know? And then they'll tell you all the reasons why it's them and it's not you. Yeah. And then most of the time, I'm like, no, y'all lying. You just say that to make me feel better, you know?
0: <laughs> but it still works. It helps. It still helps. It does. It does, it help. Still helps. It does
1: help. It does help. It does help.
0: So how do you remain confident when you feel broken, Mm. you know, like when you feel when something bad happened to you or when you maybe get diagnosed with a mental health issue or Mm -hmm. when you just feel imperfect? Yeah. How do you feel confident? Yeah.
1: Well, this is going to sound a little trite also. Um, And it may not be a great solution because I'm sure— mental health, like, you know, professionals right. out there will will say that you should just <laughs> deal with the things head on. But I really do try to focus on the other things that make me feel confident, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like those then help me recognize the other things. You know, it's like, did you ever you ever heard that song, Count Your Blessings, Count Them One by One? Count yes. your Blessings, Count Them every one. Like that always runs in my head. You know, it's like you've got you've gotta count the blessings, you know, you gotta count the stuff that's like really, really dope that's happening, that's good.
0: Absolutely, you know,
1: especially in the face of the things that go wrong. It is what keeps me sane, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that go wrong. I mean, even like as we started off this discussion, you know, with like what's happening in the world, when right. I'm feeling super down about stuff, it's like I've I've gotta count the things that are really, really amazing and the reasons why they're mm-hmm. so amazing. And it sounds so silly, I'm sure, but it, it truly no, helps. It, it really, really helps. It's like, you know, and that little song, that little ditty. Yeah. Your blessings, they, one by one.
0: I'm like, That's, I'm going <laughs> to sing that to myself every day. That's beautiful. Because they say that like anxiety and gratitude can't coexist. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you're like just focused on it, just like scientifically, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like if you just focus on what you're grateful for and what your blessings are, that helps yes. at least a little yes, bit. Yes, for sure. For sure. I think it helps a lot. What about body image? Have you ever struggled with that? Oh, and yes. how do you raise a daughter with the Instagram and all this craziness Ugh. and FaceTune? What's your relationship like with your body? Yeah.
1: Oh, so this has been complicated because mm. when I was a when I was young, um, when I was a kid, like I was always I was always too skinny because culturally, like in Ghana you know, the culture loves more meat on the bones, as they would say. Right. You know, so I was always I way too skinny for, for the mm-hmm. culture. <laughs> I remember mm. like, you know, family, friends or people come over, you know, and, you know, my mom would drag me out of my room, be like, come say hi to whatever," right. And they'd be like, oh, you look like the number one. And I'm like, oh, oh there we go. You know what I mean? Like all of those things. <laughs> yeah. And so I grew up thinking that about myself, and then you know, right. by the time I was an adolescent, and I found sports, it was like that physique was great for a track runner, and that, that's that's totally. what I did, right? And so I ran track; I was great at it. Like so, then it was perfect because my body mm-hmm. was perfect for that sport.
0: You got long legs. Oh yeah, yeah, all of that. It was
1: like I was number one. It was fantastic, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: Ran fast with that number one body.
1: You know what I mean? Uh, And then, you know, in my 20s, it shifted because it was like, you know, I still had that kind of physique. And Mm -hmm. I felt pretty confident because I could wear whatever I wanted. And I, I never really thought about it. I didn't have to work out. Like, it didn't bother me. Right? And then entered my 30s
0: and
1: mm. i had a baby <laughs> mm-hmm. and i had really difficult pregnancies um mm-hmm. and so uh and really traumatic pregnancies right. and so right. by the time Lael was born i had gained about 70 pounds uh from mm-hmm. my what i would call like my normal weight
0: and how I, much are you typically supposed to gain in pregnancy
1: like 20 pounds 20 pounds 25 oh, really? pounds oh really okay yeah, yeah about okay. Um, mm-hmm. obviously it depends on your body and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, for me in, in my, so you gained 70 pounds. Yeah, I gained 70 pounds and, mm-hmm. um, so, and I didn't feel good. <laughs> I remember this mm-hmm. one time, um, I, Leel was probably like three or four months and I wanted to take a night out with my girlfriends and, um, Peter was sitting on the couch and I'd put on a dress and I asked the very dangerous wife question, you know, which was like, how oh do boy. I, how do I look? in this girl he starts sweating you, of course started sweating but he answered it so brilliantly <laughs> it's like i will never forget this answer and i i wish i could tell him now like how amazing the answer was he he said he looked at me and i knew i didn't look good you know what i mean but he looked at me yes. and he was like i think you look great but i don't believe that you look the way that you think you want to look in that dress and i was wow. like all right and i taking it off you know what like it was like, right. so it was like, so he didn't say like, you look terrible, which I knew I right, did. But he, but he, said, right, he, but he said that I didn't think, I wouldn't like the way I looked in the dress. <laughs> I was like. I'm
0: like, I hope some men are listening to this. Cause that is an actual, that's a great, it's answer. a great answer.
1: It's a great answer. And I just, and I, I knew he was telling me the truth, but I didn't feel terribly yeah. about it. Cause I knew he didn't think right. I looked terrible. You know what I mean? But he knew that I wouldn't like the way I looked. So I went and took the dress off. Yes. But in any case. I really struggled with that. Uh, And it was probably the first time in my life that I, you know, considered like, you know, looking in the mirror and being like, oh my God, like this is too big and that's too saggy and blah, 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 blah. And even though I was able to get rid of most of the weight just through like diet and life, then getting close to my forties, it returned. You know, it's like in (laughs) staggering ways. Um, And And your metabolism slowed. Yeah, metabolism slowed. I had some really traumatic experiences also that, you know, made me like, you know, like eat and sorrow and drink too much and the whole thing. Um, So about two and a half years ago, I decided um, that I was going to take my fitness into my own hands. You know, and, you know, you would consider that, uh, yeah, I think I was 42 at the time. Like, who starts a fitness regimen at, like, 42 years old? But I did. I was like, you know what? My dad did also. I remember that. You know (laughs) what? I remember when your dad told me he was learning to swim. And I was like— Yes,
0: at 60 years old. But he also had, like, the fastest metabolism his whole life. So he never had to worry about it at all until he turned 40. And then he was like— Everything fell apart. Everything fell
1: apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but I just find it now to be, you know, really, really wonderful to have what I feel like is my own freedom, you know, and being able to not just look the way I want to look, but also use it as a tool for stress relief and Mm -hmm. just feeling good. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that um, just in just in these shelter at home orders, like in May, I decided to give myself a challenge and I challenged um, some of my Instagram followers to come with me, which is I was going to start running a mile a day right? Every single day, Amazing. which was Had crazy. Had you ever run a mile never before? Never in my life, girl. Ne- never, oh never, 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 never. When I ran track, I was a sprinter. Like, and you couldn't, oh, you couldn't okay. make me even run around the track one time. There was no way. Right. I was sprinting. I was like, here we go from here to there, 10 seconds. That's all I need in life. That's you know? it. Mm-hmm. So 10 minutes, it was like, it oh just sounded like death.
0: <laughs> um, totally. It sounds like death it, right? But Right? But yes. I started
1: doing it and I had been going to the gym and stuff before the pandemic, right, and then obviously all the gyms mm-hmm. closed, and I couldn't mm-hmm. um and so I said, Okay, a mile a day, and I'm gonna run outside and i would mm-hmm. i you know get up be like right around dawn when you know nobody's mm-hmm. out and the air feels super fresh and crisp and you know, I just, I just run, I go out and it's just, it's such a beautiful, wonderful feeling to be out and just free. And I got my headphones and my breath and that's all I need, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And it clears my mind. Yeah. And it's such a release. Yeah. So so in any case, it's been, it's been a struggle though. You know, I think with age and with different things that have happened in my life, I mean, we always, I think we look at ourselves, right? You look in the mirror, And you start picking things apart and it is a very difficult thing not to do. Yeah. Did
0: becoming a mom, other than like the weight gain and all of that, but did actually becoming a mom and, you know, seeing your own daughter maybe struggle with body image, did that change? Did Mm. that inspire you to also get started on your fitness journey? Um,
1: I am super aware that my daughter is a woman, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, I'm super aware of that. And I want her to be as comfortable and as confident as possible. She will Mm -hmm. have her own thoughts about her body. There's nothing I can do about that, right? And there will be people who will say things to her regardless of what she looks like. And so I am that mom who tells her that she is incredibly beautiful. You know, when she walks in the room, like this morning, you know, I'm here like at my desk, you know, working and I had a little break and she walked in and I was like, girl, the hair! You know, because she had like oh. pulled it back and it was just so cute. I thought she looked adorable. Yes. You know? But I remember um She is so cute. Oh, she's she's she fantastic. Is so damn cute. is so cute. Um I I actually do remember though she had to be like two or something like that. We were like in a Target or you know, one of those type of stores, and she was sitting in the in the cart, like in the front. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to, you know, reach for something, and she was like singing or doing something really cute. And I was like, I, you know, I said, I was like, girl, you're so beautiful, you're so pretty. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you're the cutest thing. Sing louder, you loud, you sound so good. And there was this woman like across the way, who was like, you know you should tell her that she's smart and not just beautiful. And I, Give me a break. Man, I turned to this woman. I was like, first of all, woman, okay? I can tell oh, her I whatever. I can't wait to hear this. I was like, I can tell her whatever I want. And also the fact that, excuse me, she's a little black girl and there are not enough images of beauty of black women out here in this world. Bows, yes. And so if there's any place she's going to know that she's beautiful, it's with me and at home, okay? And she already knows how smart she is. And so I am going to instill all of that into her. So that's, yes. the, that's the energy I carry. I'm like, she is gorgeous, and, I, and I'm specific. Bose, can you be my mom? Yes, I can. Yes, I will call you every day, okay, and tell you <laughs> yeah, how beautiful like, you are. Okay? Seriously. Okay? But that's, it's the same but thing. But Jade, yeah. it's like the same thing that I say about the fact that each of us are special. I am specific with my compliment. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just a general beauty. I'm like, her, I think her nose is perfect. You know, I think right. her eyelashes are the most beautiful eyelashes I've ever seen in my life. You know, yes. her little earlobes yes. are just the perfect size to hold an earring. You know, like I'm specific with the compliment because I want her to know the parts of her because in aggregate, of course, I think everything is beautiful. But I want right. her to understand the reasons why every single part is beautiful.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You're just not just like, oh, you're a good person, but you're no. a good person because you have this. Yes. this, Whatever. Yes. All That's of the reasons. Amazing. All of the reasons. OK, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. So you've lived a big life, as I said, filled with so many sequins and so much success, and you're larger than life yourself. But I know that you've been through some hard stuff also. Mm-hmm. Um, your husband, Peter, passed away from lymphoma in 2013. And I think grief is such an important topic and mm-hmm. one that people often avoid because, for whatever reason. Maybe it makes people uncomfortable but it can be so isolating and lonely. Mm. So um, I was wondering if you could tell us about your experience with Peter and when he was first diagnosed.
1: Yes. Oh, man. So Peter and I had been together for 13 years when Mm -hmm. he was diagnosed with Burkitt's lymphoma. Um, Mm -hmm. He was diagnosed in May of 2013. And the, the wild thing is that he was the healthiest person I knew. (laughs) <laughs> you really, you know, he was the kind of guy that like we lived in New York City and he, yeah. you know, wintertime, he'd have a light coat on and like, you know, no scarf, no gloves, no hat and never catch a cold. Like, I just never understood it. Like, I was I was always freezing. You know what I mean? And so I do remember the day that I saw the lump on his throat, mm. you know, just on mm-hmm. the side of his neck. And I was like, what the hell is that thing? And he was like, oh, I don't know, it's just been there. And I was like, what the, go check it out. And he didn't even, he didn't even know our doctor's name. Like, you know, like that kind of situation.
0: It came out of left field.
1: Yeah, it was complete, complete surprise to us. And unfortunately, neither of us had been strangers to cancer. You know, my my Mm -hmm. mom was actually at the time on her second fight and his mom Mm -hmm. had had breast cancer and also survived. So we knew that there had to be a plan. You know, mm-hmm. radiation, yeah. like f- surgery, chemo, like the whole right. thing. And so it was another shock to us when his oncologist said like three months later that there was going to be no plan, you know, and Ugh. that we should plan for the end. It was crazy. Wow. It was just like. How long did they say he had to live? Oh, that was the worst part. They said he had a couple of weeks. Ugh. And, and we, we were, I mean, I remember sitting there and thinking there's no way. Like what are you talking
0: about? And Lael was how old? She was four was Lael? She was
1: four. Ah, Jesus. It was just like, and he like he just looked at me and he was just like, What about Lael? You know, what about Lael? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know any of this. What about you? What about us? Right. What about our life? What about the plans that we had? You know
0: I'm surprised you were able to walk out
1: of the a hospital no, room. Uh, the no, I didn't. Office. I threw myself on the floor. Are you kidding me? I, I, no, oh no, no, my. no, no. I, I, I couldn't do it. And he was so, um, he was so gallant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wouldn't say accepting because he was pissed mm-hmm. off. <laughs> he right. was like, this, Rightfully this felt. is like, this is unfair. Yeah. But he was gallant in that he was like, okay, let's, let's figure out what we're going to do. You know, let's get, let's get our plans together. Like he was the one who was like, all right, let's call the lawyer. Cause we got to get a will together. Uh, let's call the bank. Let me, let me write down all my passwords. Like we, we went directly into action because, mm-hmm. because of Peter, you know, I was willing right. to be like, oh no, I just want to, I want to cry my, all my eyes out and just lay here right. and do nothing for the next two weeks. If that's what, that's what they say. And yeah. he didn't allow that. And he he, right. he wrote lists. He knew how much I hated lists because I, <laughs> I hate to-do lists. And even though, yeah. like, you know, the stereotype is that most wives have a honey-do list, right? I never did that right. because I just, I hated right. lists altogether. I didn't like a list for me. I didn't want a list for him. I didn't write a list. Just no, no list. No list, yeah. no list. And he wrote me a list of things to do. And it was such a gift because it gave me purpose.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, in the days, it gave me purpose. And it is where my mantra about living life urgently was born because Mm -hmm. he really was like, listen, we've got to do something every day. Like we don't have time to waste. There is no time to like, just sit. And if we do sit, let's make it purposeful. If we're going to sit, let's sit and talk. Mm
0: -hmm. And we did that
1: some days. You know, where we sat and talked and we talked about the things that we hated about each other and forgave Mm. each other for those things.
0: You know, the stupid little fights and the
1: things that like I was holding against him or the things he was holding against me. We talked those things out or we went and ate gelato, you know, because that's his favorite thing. And that's that's what Mm we would go and do. Um, Mm -hmm. He took layout fishing like there were there were lists of things and a bucket
0: list kind of. yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of sorts. And Mm -hmm. it became so necessary because at first it kind of felt surreal, you know. But then Mm -hmm. as his illness set in and there were days when he couldn't do certain things that he had done before, sometimes the thing to do that day became like, you know, larger than life because he could no longer do whatever the thing was that he could do yesterday. So Mm -hmm. it inspired me to not wait For things, you know, if we thought about it in that day and we were like, you know, we should do X, Y and Z thing. We went and did Mm -hmm. that thing because we didn't know if tomorrow he would be able to do it. And that's why I feel like those catchphrases about like, you know, carpe diem or live today like it's your last. Like those things are so pedestrian to us, you know, Mm -hmm. but unless you are actually living it, like unless it's a real thing, you don't actually act on it. And I just wish more of us would. You know, Absolutely. and that's why I'm, I and that's why now I appreciate my impatience mm-hmm. is why I appreciate my spontaneity. I think those are gifts. They don't allow me to be complacent. Yes. They don't allow me to accept things that are bullshit in my life. Yes. Whether that is work related or it's personal or it's a friend or it, girl, it could be just the outfit I have on. I don't have time for it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know? Right, it's like
1: 100%. You got you to you keep it going. And that's the thing is that, you know, towards the end, when, um, you know, he was just trying to figure out what he was going to, how he was going to leave,
0: mm-hmm. you know, and,
1: and what he wanted to leave and how we were going to say goodbye.
0: But, Bose, like, how did you hold it together and not break down every day? Uh. What did it feel like? Like how, or did you feel like you had to be strong in front of him? What did no. day in and day out look like? You know, that is such
1: a good question because um there were there were moments where I felt so helpless. You know, but I wasn't yet grieving. Right. And I'm also really grateful for that. It's also another lesson, you know, which is that, like, we mm-hmm. shouldn't grieve the things that have not yet happened.
0: Yes. Wow.
1: You know, because he he was alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful that I didn't grieve him before he was dead.
0: Oh, my have the chills. Absolutely. You know, that, that, Absolutely. that I wasn't
1: crying because he was there. Right. And right. I think so many of us do that, where we think about the future and therefore then you start crying today why are you crying today? You still have the thing. I still had him in those days.
0: Wow. Right. Absolutely. You know, there,
1: were going, there were going to be endless days without him. And so why not enjoy the moments that I had and, and be grateful?
0: Did you take a lot of pictures? Oh, did you take yeah. a lot of videos? Yeah, you did the Ooh, whole thing. I did
1: all of that. I took all kinds of pictures. Actually, my picture taking um, actually inspired a book that I'm writing. Right.
0: Now. Yes. You're writing a book. Yeah. I'm writing
1: a book. That's the Urgent incredible. Life. Yeah. And it, it was inspired by that because people used to say the stupidest line to me, which I still hate, you know, the one that mm-hmm. they would say, take it one day at a time, sweetie. And I was right. like, what day at a time? He doesn't have many days. What are you talking right. about? Take one day at a time. Like, we, don't, yeah. we don't have time. What are you talking right. about? Like I was totally. like, and so then I was like, you know what? You want to know what my days are like? I'm going to tell you what my days are like. And I just started mm-hmm. taking a picture, just like, you know, the thing that I and I still I still have it right here. At my phone. I have wow. my album. By the way, the yeah. album is titled One Day at a Motherfucking Time. That's the name of the album on my phone, it.
0: because I was like, I love it. I was like, Fuck oh, y'all, one day at a time.
1: Y- y'all want to know what one day at a time looks like? Let me show you. <laughs>
0: and I would just say yes. I took
1: a picture of anything and everything.
0: Yeah. Those ordinary moments. You know,
1: I, I would take I took a picture of of a day it was raining. You know, just out the window of his hospital room. I took a picture of him sleeping. You know, Mm. I took a picture of Lael or actually a video of Lael imitating the Disney on ice. We'd gone to go see it and she was imitating it in his hospital room. And she was like, pretend to ice skate was the most ridiculous thing. And, you know, took video of that. Um, I was painting my nails one day and my sister took a picture of me painting my nails in the room. You know, like stuff stuff that was just ordinary.
0: Yeah, I bet you're so happy to have that, those memories. So happy to have
1: them. I'm so happy to have it.
0: So he passed, how long after his diagnosis? Six months. Six Six months, months, yeah. Wow. Six months. So you lived every day like it was your last for six months, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. First of all, I want to, ask you because I know that you had already been through a big loss Mm -hmm. before this Mm -hmm. you lost a baby prematurely right and I want to know how that grief prepared you or didn't or what the differences were between those two flavors Mm -hmm. of grief Mm. how did that impact this
1: oh yeah 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 um you know, I think as human beings, we're always looking for the similarities in things, right? So that it yeah. feels more manageable. Right. You know, we do that totally. in everything. It's like you look for it in friends. Yes. You look for it in jobs. We look for it in homes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We look for it in everything. We look for it even in grief. Yeah. Where we're like, is this like that other thing, you know?
0: And right, totally. Unfortunately, the answer is no. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it just, it doesn't feel the same. None of it feels the same. And it's it's also, I think, life stage, it is circumstance, it is the type of thing, you know, it was that pregnancy was my first. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I was totally ignorant of the fact that anything bad could happen.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I, I just didn't know that. And for me, the loss of my daughter was, it was just unimaginable. Because that had never happened to me or to anybody I knew. Right. You know, like my mother had four daughters. She was one of five. <laughs> it was like I had tons of cousins.
0: You must have been so lonely. Oh, yeah.
1: I'd had, my sister had had a baby and she was fine. You know, there was like nothing that prepared me for it.
0: And you're like, what's wrong with me? Yeah.
1: But I tell mm-hmm. you, the thing that was really difficult for me was that, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God. And although I'm not religious per se, I'm very spiritual. And I do believe in my unique relationship with God, you know, yes. that God speaks to me in a way that doesn't speak to anybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pissed off. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand this. You know, how, how dare you?
0: Right. How
1: dare you do this to me? You know, I'm a good person. Yep. I don't do anything wrong to anybody like, mm-hmm. why would you saddle me with this type of experience? Like, why would you take this from me, you know, and hurt me like this? Right. And I was pissed. I mean, it's like I was I was of pissed course. about my daughter for a, for a long time. Sometimes I'm still pissed about it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's because it makes no sense. There's no reason, you know, yeah. and it just hurts yeah. like hell.
1: And I wish I wish mm-hmm. I could explain why Peter had to die, and right. I, I can't do that either. But the thing is right. that I think about my life and there are some, oh gosh, this is really tough to say, but it's like there's some things that wouldn't exist unless those things happened to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And so
1: reconciling that is also, can feel selfish, but it's also a very real thing, you know, which is that. It's true. My first daughter was born prematurely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got pregnant with Lael before I would have, born my first daughter. So Mm -hmm. I would not be able to have both of them. Right. You know, so it's like, which one would I give up? Wow. You know, and that's, that's the question that I sit with. Um, I even think about who I am today, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and what I've been able to do with my career and life. And had Peter lived, Mm -hmm. I don't know that any of it would have come to pass. So would I give this up?
0: Wow. You know, it's a very, it's a very
1: deep, deep thing. And I, um, it feels selfish to answer those questions.
0: Yeah. I think there's room for an and there, you know, there's room for you to mourn the loss of your daughter and your husband Yeah. while also recognizing that your life wouldn't be the same Mm -hmm. if you hadn't gone Mm -hmm. through that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of tell me what, what, what was the first day without him? Like, Oh,
1: Oh, You know, I'll tell you something I haven't told anyone, really. So he died at 4.44 a.m., by the way. So wow. they're now my angel numbers. I see 444 everywhere. I see it everywhere.
0: Oh, my God. It Do shows, you? It,
1: oh, everywhere. It shows up. Oh, my gosh. I've taken so many pictures of 444 everywhere, girl. The,
0: oh, my God. Just the other
1: day. Like, what was it? On yeah. Monday. On Monday, I was running for the first time, you know, this year because I I yeah. like just picked up running again after taking the break um, for the holidays because, right? you know, you got to eat pie yes. and all that. But in <laughs> yes, any case, um, I was running. And on the ground, like some, you know, they're doing like some sort of road work. And it was 444 spray painted on the ground.
0: And I wow. was like,
1: ah, thank wow. you very much. Happy New Year to you too, you know? That's um, crazy. I know, I know. I
0: took a picture. But I put it on that's Instagram cra- even. Um, oh my God, that's crazy.
1: But in any case, um, he died at 444 in the morning. And, um, you know, after like just taking care of the paperwork at the hospital and mm. I drove myself home. Can you imagine? Um, oh my God. You Do you know, even remember that ride home? I, I remember getting in the car and my my sister and his parents were were with me. Um, mm-hmm. We were together and and my mom actually. So, and Jade, I don't know how this happened, but again, it's like, you know, the spiritual world is something else, isn't yeah. it? Totally. You get in the car I turn on the car and our wedding song starts playing.
0: Oh my, I have the chills everywhere. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: When I tell you, all of us in the car started screaming. Like every single, every single one of us knew exactly what was going on. Started playing. And then and then, you know, my sister is trying to protect me because I, you know, it was like. I, yeah, I I like, tried ugh. to keep myself together all the way to the car, right? And like we're about right. to get we're about to just start the car and go home and I start the car and the song starts playing. So she's like trying to push buttons. She's trying to turn the thing she's off. She's trying to turn it she off. She can't oh. freaking figure it out. And then yeah. finally like I come to my senses and I I turn down the volume and we just all look at each other like can you believe that just happened? Like we could not believe it. Could not believe it.
0: Oh my god. I can't believe it. And so... He's there. He was there. Yeah,
1: totally there. And then I get home. Mm -hmm. And of course, exhaustion and all that. And I I couldn't tell Al just yet. I just, I had to go to sleep, you know? So I went to sleep Mm -hmm. and I woke up and I woke up in that panic. You know, that panic wake that Mm -hmm. you do? Like Mm the... And I woke up and I looked around and my mom was right there. And I was confused as to why I was at home because, you know, it's like we had been at the hospital for so so long, like at least a month or so. And so I woke up and I'm like, where's Peter? You know, it was my first question. And my mom just, you know, she started crying. And then it was like, you know, it's like the weight that hits you. And I was like, that's right, you know. And
0: yeah, it's like it breaks your heart all over again. That that
1: was what those days were like those early days Mm -hmm. um, of just waking up every day. It was like Groundhog's Day, every day, just waking up and being like, (gasps) you know, in a panic. And it took a long time for those panic moments.
0: How long would you say until it not got easier, because it probably never gets easier, but when did it stop? When did that stop?
1: Oh, that is, that's also a hard question because it changed. You know, it stopped being, it stopped being like the panic moment to the, I remember moments where like something would happen. I would go to pick up the phone to call him oh. or like I'd go to text him. You know what I mean? Like it, it changed right. in behavior and like the things that I would do because I forgot that he right. was and gone. And it's so
0: sobering to realize. Oh, it's yeah, it's like a gone. punch
1: to the gut every time. Oh, every every time. time. You know, I mean, every time you lay, I'll do something. Oh, yeah. Or, oh, when she when she was getting her confirmation. Oh. You know, and I, yeah. I was just like, I was like,
0: man, because he wanted her to be Catholic. He right? sure
1: did. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> that was not my calling. I was like, I don't. But you're know raising anything her Catholic, right? It. I sure am, but I don't know anything about yeah. that. You know, I I leave it to the nuns and to the priests. I was like, listen, right. y'all, y'all figure this out. I was like, I don't know anything about this. I'm only doing it. <laughs> you're like, I'm just
0: fulfilling ex- a wish.
1: Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> Peter asked me to do it, and that's why I'm here. I was like, I don't know yeah. why. Otherwise, you know.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But, so how did you tell her? How did you eventually tell A.L.? Like, oh. Did you tell her the next day?
1: Yeah, I told her that next day because um, I knew I couldn't wait. And, you know, we had mm-hmm. we had to oh, go through all the plans.
0: Did she get it? Um, did, did she think... understand what was happening before yeah, then? she did. She did
1: understand what was going well. Well, okay. understand as a four-year-old can, right? right? But totally. to the point that I made, it's like I tell her the truth. And it was a big mm-hmm. lesson that a friend— at the time, um, she was a child, mm-hmm. child psychologist who gave me the best mm-hmm. piece of advice. You know, Melissa Robinson. Shout out to Dr. Robinson. Shout out. She yes. uh, told me, she was like, you know, you should tell her the truth. Tell her what's mm-hmm. going on. Use the big words. Because if you mm-hmm. say things like daddy's sick, then every time you get mm-hmm. a cold, she's going to think you're going to die.
0: You know, wow. it's like you got
1: to say it's daddy true. has cancer.
0: They're so literal.
1: Oh, kids. literal. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it was the practice of telling her the truth. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm really actually thankful for that behavior because now it's like, you know, it's so much easier, you know, that we're we're truthful with each other in all circumstances. And I don't hide my grief from her. I don't hide Mm -hmm. when something hits me and I'm like, oh, gosh, your dad would have loved that. You know, Mm -hmm. but I would tell you the biggest grief for me in telling her when he died was that, I knew she did not understand the weight of her grief yet, that right. that was still to come.
0: She didn't know what it meant for her future. She didn't know what
1: it meant. And, and I knew <laughs> that, like, she would, she would not, that her grief would continue to come back again and again mm. and again and again throughout her life. You know, that it would hit her the first time there was a father-daughter dance. It would hit her right. the first time somebody came to pick her up to take her on a date. It would hit her the first time right. we took her to college. It would hit her on her wedding day. It's going to, you know, that I, I, I could see the future of her grief. And that was what like just, That's oh, it was like a stake in my completely- heart. And I, and I knew that even telling the four-year-old version of her that this yeah. conversation was not going to be the last that I would have to tell her this again and again and again and again. And it is what really, really hurt. That was the grief of it that I know it will, it will keep happening.
0: Mm -hmm. Does she remember
1: him? Yes, she does. She does remember him. She does. She, um, but I also keep him alive for her. How do you do that? I think it's really important. Oh, I tell her all kinds of stories. First of all, Like, you know, there's so many habits that she has that are his. It's really quite remarkable. Really? It's like, it's amazing as a parent to see that, you know, behaviors that she has of him that are clearly not learned. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's straight nature. It's amazing. That like, and, but it's weird. It's like even expressions. I have no idea where she gets some of these expressions. Like she says something like. And they sound like him? Oh, yeah. The same type of tone. And I'm just like. Wow. And so, you know, when she does stuff like that, I'll be like, that's that's your yeah, dad right there. That's your dad. You
0: know? Right. So she feels connected to him. Oh,
1: totally. And I, I often, mm-hmm. you know, give her the stories or, you know, I just pepper things yeah. in so that she knows.
0: I love the story that you tell about when you woke her up one night when you were feeling like just— you know, feeling overwhelmed by the grief and the responsibility that you had to now raise this daughter on your own. And you said to her, can you tell that story? Oh,
1: yes, 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 yes. It was in those early days of just pure grief, you know, there was unabashed Mm -hmm. grief. And the phone calls had really stopped and people bringing casseroles over and all that. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't sleep, you know, and it was Mm -hmm. like the middle of the night. And she was sleeping in the bed with me. um, And I was terrified because I was like, mm-hmm. she's four, and I had not planned to be a single parent. And I was like, how in right. the hell am I going to raise this person? Like, I, that's not even right. what I signed up for, you know. Yeah. And um, I was looking at her and getting increasingly anxious. And mm-hmm. this is like the bad parent moment where I was just like, well, there's no one else here to talk to about this, so I just woke her up, you know? <laughs> like
0: she wakes me up. I'll wake like, me I'll up! Wake her up! Yeah.
1: I was like, wake up, wake up, you know. So she yeah. she wakes up like kind of startled, you know. She's like rubbing her <laughs> right. eyes.
0: <laughs> and I'm looking at
1: her and she's looking at me, like, waiting for me to tell her something. I'm just like, girl. And, and this was the only thing I could think of. Like, I was like, because that was the thing that was on my mind. You know, I was like, you're going to help mm-hmm. me raise you, right? And she was like, yes. Oh, yes. OK, I will. Aww. And then she was like, and just looking at me and I was looking at her and I was like, OK, OK, great. And then she just laid down and went back to
0: sleep. And what is that? It. OK, mommy. Like, what did that? Yes. Do for um, you.
1: It was it was the validation I needed. You know, I just mm-hmm. needed somebody to tell me. And it didn't matter if it was her. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was a four-year-old. I just needed somebody to tell me that it was all right.
0: Right. That you weren't alone. You know? Totally. So what's something about single motherhood, you know, that no one told you about? Oh. That no one prepared you for? Gosh.
1: Oh, there's so many things. Mm. That there's no one to, like, <laughs> bounce things off of. Right. You know, because you don't know what in the hell you're doing. Like, parenthood is such a weird thing. It's like, I wish somebody would have told me that you don't actually know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that they and it doesn't matter if somebody else has done it. You know, it's not like my mom can tell me what to do because she's not raising Lael. She raised me. And it's a different thing. I'm a different person than she is. Right? And so there's totally. no way. And I didn't know that parents didn't know what the hell they were doing until I became one. You know, right. I didn't know that. I thought they had it figured out. My mom seemed my mom and dad seemed super in tune. Like they seemed like they knew what they were doing, but they didn't. There's I, no roadmap. No, I know that yeah. they didn't. Now I know they were making it right. up. Right. You know? Right. And so I think it would be it would be maybe easier. I don't know, right? Because now I don't mm-hmm. have that experience. But I think it would be easier right. if I had somebody to bounce it off of and, you know, ask their opinion. When things yeah. are confusing to me or I don't know what to do or what to say or I had to have yeah. the birds and the bees conversation and I was like, can somebody else do it? I don't want to do it.
0: <laughs> I would have loved to be a fly on the wall oh, for that it terrible! It was a disaster.
1: Oh, it was a disaster. It was awful. It was awful.
0: It was awful. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I bet there are so many moments. Oh my god, and I
1: really wanted to, to be good. You know what I mean? Because right, I, so
0: you tried your best. Yeah,
1: because I was just like, oh, this is gonna be a memory she's gonna have. So I've got to <laughs> do it right.
0: You're like, I'm gonna ace this. Oh,
1: and I was prepared, <laughs> or oh, I had my, I had my, you know, my thoughts together. that way I was gonna explain yeah. things. Crash. Right. All of it.
0: Oh my I god. I was so nervous. That's-
1: I took one look at her and started stuttering. Oh, it was awful. It was just terrible. Mm-mm.
0: Have you tried to revisit it? No, since? I have
1: not. I have left no. it alone. No, I'm I'm way... No, 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 no. I'm way too scared. I don't know. She asked me a couple hard questions and I was like, you know what? Actually, let's just stop talking. I was like, you know what? We're going to pick this up later. That was like a year ago. <laughs> I'll have to... I know I will, but I can't just yet.
0: I'm too scared. Yes. Oh, my God. That is so funny. It's true. It's like every parent's worst nightmare. And then you look around for support, and it's just you. Yeah, it's not there.
1: It's not there. Like, literally, I was just like, oh, my God. This has got to be like, who
0: can I ask to help me? Right. 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 No one. So who were you as a person before he died? And who were you after losing him?
1: Well, gosh. I think it's much easier for me to answer, like who I am now. Yeah, you know, because I'm a, a much more determined person. I think now mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, I'm really determined to survive. You know, yeah. it's like I think before he died, I was living and living really well. You know, enjoying mm-hmm. life. There was nothing. You know, like I I really enjoyed it. Um, and not to say I don't enjoy life now, but I'm I'm mm-hmm. really living it. You know, yeah. like I am, I'm determined to live this life like really, really right. well. And right. I, um, gosh, so so again, like you're literally the first person I'm talking to about this. But in, in addition to dying at 444 in the morning, he died four days before his 44th birthday, which is Whoa. so wild. I know. Exactly. See what I'm Whoa. saying? Like those numbers are just everywhere. That's, so wild. I mean, it, that's just, um, you, that's just yeah. so wild. So, yes, my 44th birthday is coming up. And I subconsciously and consciously have been looking forward to that date. I don't know what I'm going to do because I've been waiting for it for seven years. Mm -hmm.
0: And
1: I feel like I feel like I'm going to be an even more determined person Mm -hmm. after that date, because I will know that I would have had like on that, like on that, date when it's like three days before my 44th birthday, that's one more day Mm -hmm. than he had on this planet. Absolutely. And then it's going to be two more days than he had on the planet. And then three more days and four more days and five more days and six more days and a year and two years and 10 years. Like what a gift.
0: What a gift. You
1: know, what a gift. And so I I want to live in a way that is going to honor the fact that he didn't have those days. A
0: hundred percent. Yeah. How do you maintain that perspective? Because I think as humans, you know, we're so we're hardwired to be resilient, you know, mm. and even with COVID, you can see people start to get bored, not because it's gotten any better at all, but just because we need to bounce back. So yeah. how do you maintain that perspective?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so hard not to sweat the small stuff, right? Because totally. like we're human beings and that's, you know, that's yeah. what we like to do. <laughs> um, yes. But I think, yes. I think for me, it's like I... I'm just so glad to be here. Damn it. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like yes. Even even in the days where like I'm sitting in my bed unbathed without my teeth brushed and watching Netflix mm-hmm. plug plug, you know, mm-hmm. Netflix. I yes. uh, I feel so thankful to have that opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's just such a wonder, like what a wonderful thing.
0: Because you know what it's like to not. Yes.
1: Or even, right. I mean, listen, let's talk about all of it, right? Even on the days when I feel mm-hmm. super lonely, you yeah. know, and I wonder whether or not love will find its way to me again. Yes. I am really grateful to even be in the position to want it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's like, maybe I would have, my heart would have been so broken that I'd be afraid to face it again, right. um, but I'm not. And what a gift that is.
0: But Bose, what an incredible feat that is that you're even open to that. Yeah, what a gift. Something that I love that you said is that you can live the bigness of your life even when parts are missing. Mm. And I think you do that. You know, Mm. you have done that. And that's so incredible because I think so many people, their lives stop when they feel like a piece is missing or they can't go on. Yeah. And it's so true. You can be incomplete. Yeah. And still live the bigness of your life. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like that Japanese pattern. Kintsugi, I think it's called. Um, mm. I hope I'm saying that right. Which is when something is broken and it's put mm-hmm. back together with gold or with silver gold. filling. Right. You know, that it doesn't necessarily mean that your brokenness is destroyed, you know, or that you're destroyed mm-hmm. because of your brokenness, but like you can fasten into something new, something that's even more beautiful, you right. know? And, and so what are what are the gold fillings? You know, and I feel like that's what I'm doing in my life right now, which is that I'm trying to fill in the brokenness with Mm -hmm. the gold pieces, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like, what's that gold? What's the gold in my life that's going to fill in all that for me and make me feel whole?
0: I love that so much. Bose, you're incredible for sharing that. Truly, I think so many women are going to feel less alone by hearing your story, and I really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What is a topic or concept you wish more women, either in your industry or just in general, were more open about? Oh,
1: gosh, this
0: is or a good about question, more.
1: too. Um, well, I think, there, okay, so there's an easy one and a hard one. Okay. The easy one is I wish that we talked about money more.
0: hmm
1: Definitely. You know, I think men talk about money a lot.
0: So easily. Women have
1: a hard time doing it. Yeah. It's like why? Like we should talk about money. I know. Like, we get paid so much less. It's like we should talk about it, and we should talk about it with each other. We should talk about it with our bosses. We should talk. about Like we should mm-hmm. talk about money and not be yes. afraid of it. Yes. You know, that's that's one that I I wish we we did more, and then. I mean, because we've talked about motherhood so much, um, Mm -hmm. I wish that more of us would talk about, and this is not a morbid thing, but I wish more of us would talk Mm -hmm. about the honest trials of motherhood. You know, I recently, I was so appalled when Chrissy Teigen talked about Mm -hmm. losing her son, Jack, and people came after her. And said that, Ugh. you know, she was selfish or that, like, why would she share that publicly? And How is that dare a, they? Like, how, g- girl, say it again.
0: Yeah. Like, fuck you for thinking yes. that.
1: How dare they? You know, and even Meghan Markle wrote, I think she wrote an, an open letter or something oh, like that in the New York Times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, also very public. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bravo. Yes. But mm-hmm. like, why? Why should we hide that? Like why is it yes. shame? It's not shameful, right? Like why why should right. we be ashamed of that? You know, it's like, like it happens yeah, to you so many of us. It, happened, it wasn't our and fault. it happened to you. Yeah, no. And I'm like, I wish no. I wish we would talk about that more because there's just so many images of. This, you know, beautiful rounded bellies and these mm-hmm. like maternity shoots that are fantasy. And I'm like, totally. that's dope. That's wonderful that you have that. But like, let's can we talk about the times that is not so pretty and like really be honest about that?
0: Yes. Like there's a whole other
1: side of the story. Yeah. And all the yes. things that it brings, because I do believe that feminism is also the embracing of all of the things that make us different from yes. men. You know, and motherhood is one of those things. And yes, of course, I want there to be equality in the way that men and women raise their children. Uh, But Mm -hmm. listen, like we're bearing them.
0: (laughs) Yes. You know, and even in in
1: regards of the makeup of your relationship.
0: Exactly. You
1: know, if you are single, you're with a partner, you are in a lesbian relationship, regardless of the makeup of your relationship. It's like whoever is bearing the child like that, that whole Mm -hmm. process It Mm -hmm. changes you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like, we need to talk about it. And I wish that we talked about it more.
0: Yeah. And you are the only person that should have an opinion about it because you are bearing the child. Correct. It's just crazy. We perpetuate these perfect images of pregnancy and motherhood. And all it does is hurt us as
1: as womankind.
0: That's it. That's it. As if,
1: like, if you don't do it perfectly, somehow there's something wrong with you. Not
0: true. And there's already so much shame. It's like, why do we inflict that upon each other? Why? Exactly. Right. I know. Okay. So what's a way in which, I think we're all works in progress, of course. Mm-hmm. What's a way in which you're currently working on yourself? Is it therapy? Are you being more present? Or is it something you're reading? Or, mm-hmm. you know, is a mental health retreat, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. It's, it's my fitness. It's my fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, I'm getting up every day and moving, doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I find that to be really freeing. So it's not just about looking good, although (laughs) I like to look good. (laughs) I do. Yes, Uh, I do. I do do like to look good in a bikini. Thank you very much. Um, But I also like it because I think it helps me mentally and spiritually. You know, helps me to connect with myself and, like I said, appreciate my body in new ways. You know, it's like, yes. listen, my knees are not the knees that they were at twenty five, and I don't have right. Megan the stallion knees either. Mm, nobody does. You know what I mean? I tried to get down and body yada yadda, yada, and it was not working. <laughs> it was not working like that. But I appreciate every step you know that I take when yeah. I run, and so like yes. I I really enjoy that as a practice now.
0: Yes. So I've had goosebumps this entire conversation. This was so fun, Bose. I just love you and you are straight magic. And I'm so happy that I got to have you on my show. Thank you so much for coming on. And can you tell the people where to find you? What's coming up in the world of Bose? <laughs> what can we look out for? Well,
1: I'm on Instagram and on uh, yes. Twitter and on Facebook. Badass Boz. Here I Badass am. Badass Boz. That's
0: correct. So get at me. Holla. And you have your book coming out, right, in 2022? Yes. So I'm writing.
1: I'm writing now. Um, Hopefully I will be done at some
0: point this year and then we'll print. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to read that book. And I'm sure everyone listening after today will feel the same way. Oh, thank you so it. much for doing this with me, Bose. Thank you are you, the greatest. I love you so much. <laughs> oh, I appreciate I this so much.
1: You. Of course. Anything thank for you, you, Dave. Love you <laughs> so much. I think you're so dope. I love you. And you're so Mwah. special. So Oh, thank you. Yes, I would do anything.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, love you. Well, thank see you later. Mwah. Bye. Mwah. Well that was incredible. I just love her. As you may have noticed, I could keep talking to Bose forever and it would never be enough. My friend who lost her mom once told me, I'd talk about my mom all the time if it didn't make other people so uncomfortable. That stuck with me because so many of us are so uncomfortable recognizing death at all, let alone the fear of having to actually sit in the pain of grief with someone, even just temporarily. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation as much as I did, but now I really have to pee, so I'll see you guys next time. To continue our conversation, if you want to chat more, you can find me at Jade Iovine on Instagram. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and rate because that's how we grow. Okay, bye.